0: Welcome again, Um, good morning, I'm Jonathan Olasco, I'm the Associate Director of Missions and Outreach here at Bethany, it's good to be with you all. Today we're starting a new sermon series called Teach Us to Pray, and I'm looking forward to it, I really do believe that prayer is perhaps the most essential discipline in our spiritual lives, an essential part of our transformation, our joy, our delight in God, and yet at the same time, I confess that when I heard I was going to be preaching today, I thought, well, I should... Probably start praying now. This would be a good time to really work on that. And I think this initial reaction against the, the backdrop of my lofty views on prayer, I think they, they illustrate a tension that many of us perhaps have with prayer. On the one hand, this beautiful vision, this desire, this longing for a life saturated with, with prayer, intimacy with God, and yet at the same time, this, this sense that there's a distance between our own experience of prayer Perhaps if we were to be asked about the health or the status of our prayer lives, we may describe it as less than ideal. But perhaps even more honestly, for some of us, we would describe it as disappointing, discouraging, or maybe even a waste of time. Comedian Taylor Tomlinson, she has this bit in one of her stand-ups where she talks about growing up religious and then saying she doesn't identify as much, but she still, she said, I still believe in God because if God doesn't exist, then I've been telling the wind a lot of secrets, I think many of us, even for those of us who believe in prayer, who want a vibrant prayer life, may feel at times that prayer may just feel like we're telling secrets to the wind. And so, my hope is that in this series, we be able to speak to that frustration, speak to that pain, will at the same time point forward to something more hopeful, encouraging, transformative. And so in this series, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, the content, um, and yet today, we're going to take a step back and look at the words Jesus said right before the Lord's Prayer. I think here, Jesus isn't offering us a detailed blueprint on exactly how to pray, but instead he identifies this vicious cycle in our prayer and points us in a liberating way forward. In other words, Jesus here is just teaching us how to begin to pray. And so I've titled this sermon appropriately, Beginning to Pray, and I've organized it in a few parts. One, beginning with God, and then beginning with vulnerability, and finally, beginning with a small faith. So whether for you prayer is the most life-giving, enjoyable part of your life, or you maybe can't remember the last time you prayed, my hope is that we can all um, begin today uh, with a posture of beginners in prayer. So may we receive this invitation from Jesus to discover, imagine, and take a step forward toward what it may look like to begin to pray. And in the spirit of prayer, would you join me as we pray in the continuation of our worship? God, thanks for the, the gift of prayer. Thank you for your teachings on prayer. May we come before you today with this, this openness a humility that you may be speaking to each and every one of us. Help us to have a posture that we can receive your words, whether it's challenging or encouraging or both. Teach us, Lord, to not just receive what you have to say, but to respond faithfully. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, beginning to pray um, begins with God, which may seem very obvious, you know, but I think many of our challenges come from seeing prayer as something that we initiate rather than God initiates. Too often, I think we find ourselves struggling to pray because we're struggling about what to say, how to say, whether we should say anything at all. And so we focus so much on the the how of prayer that we forget the who. And so when Jesus began his teaching here in 6.5, he says, and when you pray. And he's assuming that his disciples are already praying. He's not particularly worried about the absence of prayer. And yet it seems like he's more interested in the, the misdirection. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites who go out on the streets who love to to pray and to be seen by others or the pagans who keep on babbling and hope by their many words they're going to be heard from God. Now, at first, this may seem like Jesus is primarily critiquing incorrect methods of prayer. And so our response is just don't pray in public, don't pray too long, don't pray too loudly, and then we'll be good. I think Jesus is getting at something much more fundamental, something a lot deeper. Notice in verse eight, he says, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I think this this verse is key into our interpretation of this passage, because what he's saying is that the how of our prayer must ultimately be rooted in the who. And so this is why Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him, which it may seem like a, an odd thing to say about prayer because if God already knew what we asked before we asked, and why pray? Wouldn't it just be more time efficient to just receive exactly what we need and get beyond and past the, the trouble of asking or waiting or hoping God would ask our prayer or answer our prayers? And yet, I think Jesus is speaking that the God to whom we pray is not a God who desires our performance or our transaction, but rather. Is a God like a loving parent, a God who longs to be known and to know his children. And so this God wants us to ask thing, him in prayer, because, not because he doesn't know what we already need, but because it's in the asking that he gets to spend time with his children. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he writes that genuine prayer is not a deed or an attitude or an exercise, rather genuine prayer is the request of a child to the heart of a father I think this is liberating news for us because this means we're free. We're free from the need to prove ourselves before God with the holiness or the eloquence of our prayers. Because God, our loving Father, already knows what we need, we don't have to worry about how we should pray or exactly what to say or whether we should pray. Instead, we can just pray and trust that the God to whom we pray wants nothing more than to simply be with us as a loving parent wants to be with his or her child. And so this is why Jesus instructs his disciples to go to a room uh, close the door and pray to our Father who is unseen, not because there's something inherently superior or spiritual about privacy. Private prayer does not guarantee genuine prayer, but privacy perhaps creates some conditions that facilitate a more authentic encounter with the God to whom our prayers belong to. So this kind of public prayer that Jesus was contemning the hypocrites for, I think it's not, it can feel not super relevant to our context. I'm not particularly concerned that there's a significant um, population of our church who's out on Aurora praying out loud, trying to impress their friends. That just doesn't seem to be a problem uh, for our context. And yet, I think there's still relevancy in this warning, because Bonhoeffer also writes that even in our private prayers, they can be twisted into a kind of performance a, a kind of performance in we're, we're both the ones speaking and listening, and so we can't hear God and only ourselves. Sometimes when I lose my phone, I'll, I'll call. I'll use a, a friend's phone to, to call and find my phone, and when I pick it up, sometimes I'll answer just to see what it sounds. And so I'll have one phone on one ear and the other on the same, and I'm just literally hearing the echoes of my voice over and over, which may sound a bit narcissistic. I, I, I don't know what that means, but... I think sometimes prayer can can feel like that. We're at the same time, at least when I pray, I'm just at the same one talking and the same one listening. And so I think Jesus is inviting us into something more. He's saying that our prayers, when they're directed to God, directed to someone who both wants to speak but also wants to listen. And unfortunately in practice, this can be challenging for us. So I wanna offer us just perhaps a very practical practice for us. About 10 years ago, I was a camp counselor for a Catholic summer summer camp, and during the training week, we spent some time um, uh, roaming around the campgrounds, and I came across this beautiful wooden chapel. There's no one there. I enter, and I find this little book uh, on the side of the windowsill, and I pick it up, and I see that it's about prayer, and I open up one of the chapters that said, Jesus, the shortest, simplest, and most powerful prayer in the world. I don't really remember anything else about that book, not even the title, but I do remember being confronted with the possibility that perhaps the only prayer I really needed is nothing more than praying the name of Jesus. This prayer is called the Jesus Prayer, and what makes it so significant is that when we pray it, we bypass all the unnecessary worries about our methods of prayer, and we get right to the heart of it, being in God's presence, when we begin, the, when we pray the Jesus prayer, we're reminded that prayer is, not, is about God, but not just any God, but about God who is revealed in Jesus. Not a God who needs us to perform or elaborate uh, long-winded prayers, but a God of grace, a God of love, of justice, of peace, a God who became human, who died for our sake, who rose again victoriously and now reigns over all creation. This is the God to whom we pray And so my hope is that the brevity, the simplicity, the beauty and power of praying nothing more than the Jesus prayer might help all of us begin to pray by beginning with God. And so prayer begins with God. It doesn't only involve God. God's personhood invites a response from us. And so I want to explore what that might look like by looking at vulnerability as the second step of what it means to begin to pray. At one level, prayer is beautifully simple. It requires nothing more than just honest communication and presence with God who, who already wants to be with us. We don't need to for perform elaborate prayers or get our lives right to, to pray with God. We can just pray. And yet, at another level, prayer can be incredibly difficult. It's difficult, I think, one reason it's profoundly vulnerable. It is this invitation. It's an encounter of love with a God to whom we love, and yet to receive and to give love is vulnerable. And so when we pray with genuine vulnerability in this way, we're exposing ourselves to the depths, our, the failures of our own love. We're exposing our own weaknesses and limitations, weaknesses that God already knows, and yet can still feel so shameful. And so instead of praying out of a posture of vulnerability, we pray out of a posture of self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency. I think this temptation may be particularly resonant with our own community, a community who is generally uh, well-educated, well-employed, well-dressed, a community who generally is pretty self-reliant. And so this makes it difficult for us to come to God in the sense that where we reached our limitations, when we have reached the limitations of our intelligence, our capacity, our resilience, our resources, and tell God, God, I need you, I have no one else. I know that this is gonna be a struggle for for my own um, prayer life. By personality, I'm stubbornly independent, and this is true ever since I was very young. I have a, a favorite memory of watching um, one of my home videos um, with my family, and this video is when I was about one and a half, and I'm playing with this kind of plastic toy. It's kind of like a, a, a cube-shaped um, toy with different corresponding shaped holes where you had a block and, and you'd fit in the same holes. Perhaps you're, you're familiar, and I was intensely focused on this game. I'm trying to get the blocks in the right hole, and at one point, I'm struggling with a particular block. My dad, he sees that I'm struggling, and out of the gentleness and kindness of his heart, he gently redirects my hand to the right location, and I lose it. I start crying, I'm bawling, I'm like the audacity of this man <laughs> to, to think he could help me. And so he, he ruined my playtime, and as you can imagine, I was a delightful little boy to, to raise. So may God bless my my kind, gentle, confused father, I like to believe that I've improved in many ways since my toddler days. But I confess that my prayer life still continues to, to suffer from this delusion of autonomy and complete self-sufficiency. I don't have a hard time asking things from God. It's not, not too difficult. But when it comes to enter into the loving presence with a genuine posture of vulnerability, I can struggle. It, this kind of prayer requires a death in many ways. A death to my idols of self-sufficiency. And it's A confrontation confrontation with the inadequacy of my own ability to live as a person of love. And so this, I think, is why prayer can be so incredibly simple and challenging at the same time. The God to whom we pray is indeed a loving father, but it's also God, the almighty, the all-knowing, the perfect creator of the heavens and earth. And so we can't begin to pray to this God while we're still holding on to our idols of self-sufficiency. We can try, and I know that I do, but when we do so, we miss out on the genuine Encounter, transformative encounter, and the depth of intimacy when we begin to pray with God with genuine vulnerability. One of my heroes in church history is Oscar Romero. He was an Archbishop of El Salvador, martyred for his solidarity and advocacy for the poor, and he's recently declared a saint by the Catholic Church. And what I love about Romero is not just that he was a hero in the sphere of peace and justice, but he was also someone who recognized that the essence of prayer was necessary for his peace and justice work. One of his comments on prayer, he says, at the moment you acknowledge your limitations, when you realize that there is something or someone beyond you, then you are already praying. You recognize that as great as you may be, you are not God. There is a boundary beyond which you begin to feel the need for God. You need God and begin to pray, Lord, help me in my limitations, and in my smallness, This is when I begin to see in my limited greatness the infinite greatness of God. I love this prayer. Lord, help me in my limitations and in my smallness. What a picture of the vulnerability of prayer. I also want to note that prayer in the way of Jesus goes beyond just praying for our own needs. It's also about being confronted with the magnitude of the brokenness of our world, as well as the magnitude of God's mission to reconcile it. And so when we're confronted with these, with these magnitudes, we come before God and say, God, I confess these are beyond my limitations, and yet I commit myself to what you are doing in the world to transform it. And so this kind of prayer is not an escape from reality, but a way of facing reality, the reality of the world as it is, and the reality of our limitations to change it on our own. It's reminding ourselves that the church's transforming mission, like prayer, doesn't begin with ourselves, but begins with God. God. And so this is why God teaches us to pray in a private room, because it facilitates a movement in which we can move away from our, our idols of self-sufficiency toward a posture of vulnerable dependence on God. This is why Jesus warns against babbling words when we pray, because words too often in our prayer can just be a cover, a shield of our own brokenness, an escape from meaningful participation in God, and yet with humility... And vulnerability, weak, and instead come before God and just pray, Lord, help me in my limitation, in my smallness, in my weakness, in my failure to love. And this kind of vulnerable prayer only makes sense in light of Jesus on the cross, which in this Lenten season I think deserves particular attention. On the cross, Jesus chose to be vulnerable and weak on our behalf, and so that's why we can pray with vulnerability. On the cross, Jesus entered into our shame and took it upon himself with costly love. On the cross, Jesus showed us it's in our weakness when God's strength becomes our own. And so we don't have to be ashamed when we're scared or weak, when we feel vulnerable, because in God's kingdom, God chooses the weak to receive his strength. In God's kingdom, he chooses the least to become the greatest. And so that's why we can pray with vulnerability. And so when we pray, may we resist the temptation to hide before our weaknesses before God as if he didn't already know. Instead, may we pray in the way of Jesus who not only taught us to pray with vulnerability, but ultimately embodied this kind of prayer with his life, death, and resurrection. So prayer begins with God, begins with vulnerability, and finally, I wanna note, prayer begins with small faith. Inherently, prayer is an act of faith, uh, an act of trust, not in just the reality or the existence of God, but in a God who desires to hear from us, a God who desires to embrace and accept our weaknesses. Yet while prayer requires faith, fortunately for us, it doesn't require much. I know there are times when in my head, I know I should pray. Rationally, I may agree prayer is a, a good thing, it's an important thing, and yet in my heart, I'm, I'm not quite there in my heart, I may feel overwhelmed or anxious or exhausted or even just lazy. And I just don't want to pray to God right now. I may be fully aware of my weaknesses, my limitations, but in my heart, I'm just stubborn and say, nah, I'll do it on my own. And so it's in these moments, I don't have much faith. It's not that I don't believe in the existence of God or, or even love God. I do. It's just in the depths of my weaknesses, I don't have the internal capacity to humble myself in faith before God. I don't have the capacity to be vulnerable in prayer. And it's just easier for me to pretend like I don't really need God's help. I don't wanna be confronted with my own weakness. Or maybe I just don't feel spiritual enough to pray to God and I just say, I don't have anything to offer. Perhaps there are times in your own life where you don't feel like you have the faith to pray. Or perhaps you may feel like God doesn't even deserve your prayers. Maybe you are struggling with your faith, your relationship with God, and God and you are just not on good terms, and so you ask, why even pray? And so how do we begin to pray when we feel like we don't have the faith necessary to do so? Just up the road behind me on the corner of Aurora Avenue and Green Lake Drive, there used to be a pizza place called Woodland's Pizza. About five years ago when I was an intern here, I was... um, I went there with someone who was new to our church and who came uh, and wanted to speak to someone on staff. He was a Chinese exchange student studying at UW and Pastor Phil introduced um, him to me and so we said, hey, let's go to Woodlands and talk. So we sit down and he begins to tell me some of his story. He tells me that when he was in China, he was taught that all Christians were uh, mentally ill and upon uh, meeting some Christians who perhaps at least somewhat sane, seemed somewhat sane, he began becoming curious and had some more questions. And so he confesses he's wrestling with a lot of theological questions as well as uh, feelings of of guilt and shame. And he asked me some questions like, what is prayer? How do you communicate with God? What is God's role when bad things are happening to you? You know, just simple, lighthearted lunchtime questions. And so I do my best to answer these uh, questions and I share a bit of my testimony, what following Jesus means to me, how I've experienced God's love and forgiveness, and we have a really great conversation. I'm struck by this man's genuine curiosity, his honesty, his vulnerability. And toward the end of our time, I, I think, okay, well, it's time to wrap up our conversation and I ask if it's okay, if, I just pray for our time. But for some reason, he must have thought that I was asking him to pray because he says, oh, I haven't, I've never prayed before. I don't even know how. And then he asks, can atheists even pray? I love that question. I think it's a question that I think speaks to many of us more than we may realize. I think often as Christians, we may be theists intellectually, but atheists practically. In other words, we may accept the idea that God exists, but in our day-to-day life, our, our life doesn't reflect that belief. And related to prayer, rationally, we may believe and accept God. Prayer is good and important, but functionally our prayers may not reflect that belief. Perhaps you grew up in a church, but now are questioning your Christian belief, your your faith is hanging on a thread, and you don't really know what you believe anymore. So you may be asking, can atheists even pray? Perhaps you still identify as a Christian in a number of ways, but you still have real doubts about God and what prayer even means, and so you're asking, can atheists even pray? Maybe you've been praying for years, your whole life, and yet now you're wondering, have I just been telling secrets to the wind? And so you too might be asking, can atheists even pray? I love this question. It's real. It's honest. It's confrontational. It's painful. And yet my hope is that in that pain, God shows up. And so when this young man asked me, can atheists even pray, I I don't miss a beat. I said, yeah, yeah, they sure can. And so he asked, can you have to say particular words or you have to pray out loud? And I said, no, nah, prayer is just honest communication with God. And even if you don't believe in God, perhaps you can pray as if God just might exist and then see what happens from there. And so he begins to pray. And I, rem- I wish I remembered more of this prayer because it's such a beautiful, humble, honest prayer from this quote unquote atheist. And yet I remember at the beginning of it, I remember he starts by saying, hey God, How's it going? wherever you are. Thank you, God, for this time together, how Bethany has welcomed me, and I pray that you forgive me. But even if you don't, that's okay. I'll probably confess some more things to you tonight. I love all of that. God, how's it going? He prayed to God as if you were an actual person. Imagine that. But he also prayed to God as if God were God the one who can and desires to forgive and welcome our confessions, even if we may not deserve it. Friends, this is what it looks like to begin to pray. This is what it looks like when our prayers begin with God, with vulnerability, with small faith. This young man didn't have much faith, but he had enough. He he had small faith. And the smallness of his faith, that through prayer we experience the greatness of God. It's in the weakness of our brokenness and brokenness of our lives that through prayer, so often we experience the strength and healing of God. So many of us today may feel like atheists when it comes to pray. Some of us may feel like our prayers are nothing more than secrets to the wind, but be encouraged. God doesn't need the strength of your certainty, but wants the smallness of your faith. If all all you can offer are weak, inarticulate, clumsy, awkward, atheist prayers, be encouraged, because with God that's all you need. When the young man at Woodlands, he was asking me about these questions about prayer and God's role, um, when things are hard in our, in our lives, I told him about one of uh, the most meaningful experience I had with God in prayer. I told him when I was a senior in high school, and it was toward the end of my senior year, and it was at the end of the day, school just ended, and I'm in my room and I'm heartbroken. And I had just found out that this uh, girl I had this really big crush on for years. She was dating someone else and this news just hit me so hard. And I'm sitting on my bed, just feeling so low. Not just emotionally, but physically. I don't know if you've ever quite experienced like true grief, but there's different forms of it. But often it affects us in our bodies, in the pit of our stomach. And, and that's how I felt. I just feel so weak and embarrassed. I don't know who to talk to. And I, I'm, I was a Christian and I figured I should pray, but I don't know what to say. I don't really have much to offer. I just feel low. And so all I pray, all I offer is I say, God, help me. I don't want to keep feeling this way. It was weak, kind of pathetic, unspiritual sounding, but that's all I had to offer. And soon after I prayed that prayer, it, almost immediately I feel like a kind of a healing take place in my body. The hurt begins to dissipate. I find myself literally sitting up straighter and imagine, like, what just happened? Wasn't I just feeling miserable a few seconds ago, and I don't know how else to explain it, but it was as if God had, God's loving presence had come over me. And so I get up from my bed, I go about my day with this renewed sense of hope that perhaps I would be OK, perhaps God was with me. And I share this not because I think this is how prayer always works. In fact, I know it doesn't. I, I, I've tried. trust me. I share this moment because my hope is that it's an encouragement. That God doesn't need our prayers of certainty, of eloquence, of beauty. Or rather, like a loving father, God already knows what we need. And so simply longs that we reach out to him, even if it's with our weak, vulnerable, unimpressive prayer. So today, may we pray in the smallness of our faith and trust that in the depths of our weakness, God meets us with the heights of his love. This is my hope for us. This is how I hope that we may begin to pray. So now, would you pray with me? God, thank you that this is who you are. This is, Thank you, God, this is how you revealed yourself to us. What a gift. May we not ever lose sight. Ugh. May we not take this for granted, Lord. Truly, truly, this is a gift, God. Would you invite us? Would you restore us into a new life of prayer? A prayer does not begin with our spirituality or just the beauty of um, uh, some kind of extraordinary power or strength in our prayer, but Lord, simply that we can start with the loneliness, with the weakness of where we're at, Lord. And trust that that's who you are and that's where you long to meet us, Lord. So help us, Lord, to just begin to pray right where we're at, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen.